Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Honest conversations with interesting people. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, and I talk to a wide variety of guests across an eclectic range of interesting topics. People I've spoken to include a magister from the Church of Satan, a blind Australian filmmaker, a puppeteer from Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I also speak to musicians of all kinds of genres, authors, actors, podcasters. Really, there is no limit to who I speak to, and the subject matter is endless. So if you believe in the art of conversation and want to hear different people talking about their passions, then this is the perfect show for you. You can find Genuine Chit Chat anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there's some video versions on YouTube, so there's no reason not to tune in. This special episode of the Identity Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Shock's, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Scott's electric hairbrush. Cures headaches, neuralgia, dandruff, falling hair and baldness, and makes long, rich, glossy hair. Losing your hair? Get Dr. Scott's electric hairbrush. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to a very special Halloween spooktacular. This week I bring you tales that will delight and terrify from the seemingly never-ending well of listener submissions. A huge thank you to all who sent in their personal stories this week. I truly appreciate your continued support, as well as the support from every spooky weirdling who has submitted content in the past. I'm humbled and eternally grateful. We begin with a tale from Jeremy, who lives on a farm in Wyoming where the scream of a coyote is a natural part of the nightlife. What's not natural is what Jeremy hears when the screaming stops. In 2006, a couple of months before my 11th birthday, my family took possession of a small, run-down farm in Wyoming. My sister and I were born and raised in Idaho, but my uncle passed away. And because he'd never had any kids, he left his farm and everything on it to my dad. My dad is familiar with farm life, and my sister, my mother, and me were familiar too. We'd never lived in a city, only rural and small towns, farming corn and soybeans. We officially took ownership in the fall of that year. We were in an even more remote area than we were in before, so my mom was paranoid about letting us kids wander after dark. Growing up, I practically lived outside, and all I did was explore. While my older sister spent a lot of her time begging my father to take her into town to meet friends, I spent mine wandering until I knew every nook and cranny from the house to about a two-mile radius. I had to be back before dark. That was my mom's only rule. 
I don't know if you've ever heard it yourself, but the sounds that animals make at night can be really creepy. Coyotes in particular scream in the dark, and sometimes it sounds like a person screaming. It'll start with one coyote, and then all the others will join in. Then randomly, just when you think that the sound couldn't get any louder, it'll stop, and everything will go perfectly silent. One weekend morning, I finished my chores in the barn, cleaning horse stalls and feeding the chickens, and packed a backpack with some snacks, a jacket, and some water, then set out to explore. I loved that time of the morning, and still do. I walked for what seemed like a fair distance from the house. It was almost 7.30 a.m. when I checked my watch, far enough away that I felt like I was in the wild. I came across a small cave in a rock formation that I'd set up in before, and I dropped my backpack there. I spent the next couple of hours wandering around, doing kid stuff like catching bugs and pretending to be a cowboy. At one point, I must have fallen asleep in the cave I found. When I woke up, the sun was starting to go down, and I got to panicking about how mad my mom was going to be if I wasn't back in before dark. I feel like I flew home because I made it there in record time. I got to the edge of our fence, around a 15-minute walk to the house, and I stopped to catch my breath. My mom was on the porch, and I waved to let her know that I was on my way and kept walking at a slower pace. She waved back. The sun had finally set, and everything around me was almost pitch black. I could kind of make out the road in front of me, once my eyes adjusted, and I carefully picked my way along because it was all gravel, and I didn't want to trip and fall into one of the many potholes made by large farm equipment. It was relatively quiet at first. I could only hear bugs and other small animals rustling in the brush at the edge of the road. Then the screaming started. At first you could barely hear it, but the sound rose quickly, and it made me freeze solid in my tracks. Don't get me wrong, I've heard coyotes before. It was just the sudden shock of hearing them that made me freeze. I kept walking, a little faster now, and the screaming got louder and louder. It sounded like it was coming from all around me at once, and then, all at once, all of the sound dropped out. It was like someone turned off a switch, or all the animals decided at once that they'd stop making noise. I stopped and looked into the field. In the distance, I could see a strange light. A lot of people have told me that it must have been just a bunch of fireflies. Maybe it was some other type of bug or an old car that had been left in the field and there was a reflection from the metal. It wasn't fireflies or an old car. Whatever this was was making a low humming noise. It began to get larger and come closer to me. In a few seconds, the light had closed half the distance, and I could make out what looked like tentacles. It sounds like I saw aliens or something. But as the lights got even closer, I could make out facial features and a torso. The tentacles I thought I saw were the bottom of a torn dress and long flowing hair. I couldn't make out hands or feet, and the area where her arms would be was just barely visible, but it was there. She floated towards me until she was almost right in front of me. There was still no other sounds except the strange noise I'd been hearing that turned out to be her humming some old song, and a kind of keening sound that seemed to be under the humming. The keening sound got louder and louder until it was so loud I had to press my hands to my ears to try to quiet it. I was still too scared to move, and I squeezed my eyes shut and waited for her to stop. All of a sudden, 
everything went quiet again. It was so quiet I thought I'd gone deaf, and when I opened my eyes, she was gone. The next sound I heard was my mother's voice chiding me for not being home. She walked up to where I was on the road and asked why I was standing there with my hands on my ears. She hadn't seen or heard anything. A few years later, I was visiting my grandparents and was humming the song. My grandmother asked how I knew it, and I told her what had happened. She said that it was a popular song in the late 1920s from a Broadway show called The Five O'Clock Girl. I never saw the ghost again or heard that song. But whenever the coyotes randomly stop and the night goes quiet, it always makes me uneasy. Our next spooky submission comes from Amber in Kentucky. One of her first jobs as a security guard was at a strip mall on its way out, where many businesses have moved on, but it appears somebody never left. I've been a security guard for about eight years now, off and on. I don't mind the work, and I generally like working alone, so the fact that the place I work is pretty empty doesn't usually faze me. Several times I've witnessed something I can't explain, and it's really made me wonder about what happens after we die. Do we go to a final resting place? Do we have to wait to go there? Does everyone get to go there, or just some people? What happens to our energy after we die? That sort of thing. A few years ago, I was working the night shift, I almost always do, and I was walking the promenade inside the strip mall. Strip malls don't usually have inside areas, but this one has an entrance outside for each shop and a little courtyard-type area where people can sit and there are island planters with small trees and stuff inside. Back in the day, the little strip was pretty busy, but now the main anchor stores have gone it's basically just empty. I think that there are about 10 storefronts total, but only four are occupied, and one occupant is all the way at the other end, making rounds a bit of a trek. On this particular night, the sky was completely clear. The moon was pretty bright, and all the stores had closed. It was a little after 10 when I came on, and I got the usual info from the daytime guy about issues he'd had during his shift. He told me that there had been some kids hanging out behind the mall, and he chewed them out of there because many of the businesses didn't keep their back doors that faced the area locked. We were always worried that someone would go in that way and grab a bunch of stuff and then run out. It had happened before, and loss prevention was a big part of our jobs. So I hopped in the security car and started my rounds. The three businesses at one end were all good, locked up tight, and their lights were out. I stopped in front of each and went to physically test the doors. I went from there to the far end and checked that business. The owner was just leaving, so we chatted for a minute and she locked up and went home. At this point, I went around back and checked all of the back doors, all locked tight. I parked the car and went into the promenade inside. I used my keys to unlock that door, and I checked those doors inside, all secure. On my way back to the main door to the lot, I caught a glimpse of something odd. All the way down at the other end, next to the entrance to the first business, there was a person. It looked like a person. I could see head and shoulders. The lights inside aren't very bright, and they aren't evenly spaced, 
so sometimes they make weird shadows. But this clearly looked like a person to me. I announced myself as security and walked towards that person. I told them that the strip was closed and that they had to leave. They looked at me. I could see the turn of their head. And then they turned around, walking away. I sped up, but by the time that I got to where they were, they were completely gone. The area felt colder than the rest of the promenade. I checked the door that they were near, and it was locked tight. I hadn't seen them go at the back door, or heard the door open or close, but I checked for the hell of it. There was nobody around. The only sounds were the lights around me buzzing. Up next, a handful of similar tales. Have you ever met the Hat Man? He's been spotted by people in every corner of the world, and if you haven't already made his acquaintance, you might soon. My name is Andy, and when I was seven, I was staying with my grandparents in Chicago for the summer. The house that they lived in was pretty old, built in the 40s, and it had a lot of quirks. Creaky staircases and the sounds of heavy wood doors breathing. As a kid, I found it pretty scary to spend time there, but my parents traveled a lot for work, and summer was a busy time. It also didn't help that my slightly older brother had night terrors, so he'd often wake up screaming when he was away from home. I don't think he slept very much in that house. One night, about an hour after bedtime, around 9 p.m., I felt thirsty. My brother was asleep in his Ninja Turtle sleeping bag on the bottom bunk, and I slept on the top. I eased myself down the ladder and went to the bathroom, turning on the sink and leaning in to get a drink. When I turned the water off and was making my way back to the bedroom, I heard my brother screaming. No matter how many times I heard it happen, it always freaked me out. I ran to my brother, and as I entered the bedroom, I could see a tall shadow in the corner. It was wearing a hat and a long coat and reaching out for my brother. I screamed for my grandparents, who were already running to get to us, and turned to them to tell them what I saw. My brother stopped screaming, and when I turned back, the figure was gone. My name is Claudia, and I'm originally from California, but we moved to Florida when I was a kid because my dad found a job there. This happened when I was 12. I'm not a fan of attic bedrooms, but it was the only room in the house I didn't have to share. It wasn't really big enough for two, so my brother shared a room on the main floor, and I got the attic bedroom. My parents slept on a pull-out sofa in the living room. The house was small, but my mom said that we would be comfortable there until we could afford something bigger. We rented the house, I'm speaking about, for about $700 a month. A crazy amount now, but it was really expensive back in 1993. The house had a pretty big backyard and a long driveway to the street. The neighbors were nice, and it was an okay neighborhood. My brothers and I settled into a new school, and we made some friends. Things were good. Fast forward to a year or so later. It was a little after my 13th birthday, and my parents had let me have a friend sleep over. My friend slept on a camping cot in a sleeping bag right next to my bed. There was barely enough room to get around the cot and out the bedroom door because my room was so small. We were laughing and carrying on like young girls do, talking about music or boys we liked 
and flipping through magazines by flashlight. Finally, we decided that it was time to go to sleep, and we settled in. I turned to face the wall and pulled the blankets up to my chin, falling asleep pretty quickly, as I often did. What seemed like only a few minutes later, I awoke to my friend nudging me. She said that there was a man in the doorway staring at her. I told her that she was just having a bad dream, but she insisted. I rolled over to see that there actually was a man standing there staring at us. I screamed, and my friend climbed from the cot to my bed. We held each other shivering and watching the man. My friend continued screaming, but I was too scared for even that. As we watched, the man slowly began to disappear until all we could see was a slight outline. Then that disappeared, too. My parents came running up to see what was wrong, and we told them, but they dismissed it as a bad dream. It was not a bad dream. I know what I saw, and my friend saw it, too. Brandy from Ohio writes, I've seen the hat man several times in my life. It seems like he only shows up when there's something traumatic is going to happen. The first time I saw him in the hallway in front of my grandmother's bedroom. She'd come to live with us because she was aging and she couldn't be alone. A nursing home was too expensive, so my mom, it was her mother, said that she could live with us. The night I saw the hat man, she passed away in her sleep. Another time I saw him when we were driving home from a movie in the evening. As we waited at a stoplight, I saw him in front of a store that was closed. I could clearly make out his hat and the long coat. His eyes were glowing red. The light changed, and when we pulled out, we were instantly T-boned by a large truck. We all survived. It was a friend of mine, my brother, and my dad. But nobody else saw the hat man. Just me. That's it for now, dear listeners. The Identity Podcast will return in the new year with more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. Until then, have a safe and happy Halloween. And as always, stay spooky. <laughs>